man, I did a snap and you did a clap. No, no F that, that, F that. That was a big old clap. I saw that on the old Logic session there, mate. Okay, we've got, yeah, go on. two, three, four. There we go. Banging. Oh, oh, that was a bit of a bang on and banging. That was a bit of a blender. Yeah, I mean, I'm good, man. Um, England England lost the final of the Euros, but it doesn't matter. They did us proud. And we, we got this far. And that's what matters, mate. Exactly. That's yeah. that's a tough thing when you overachieve, but you don't reach the, the pinnacle. <laughs> it's kind of tough because it's like everyone's pissed and there's death threats. And you're like, hey, you know we weren't supposed to get this far, right? Yeah, exactly. Let's calm down a little bit. And we were supposed to be bounced in the first round. <laughs> we made it to the finals. And it's just like, it's so England, fate to be like, when we're winning, like, you guys are legends. And then when they lose, it's like, oh, I hate you. It's like, oh, right, yeah, okay, yeah. cool. Okay, yeah. I'm assuming those would be the hooligans. Yeah, <laughs> those exactly. Are like the, the... No logic whatsoever. <laughs> right, right. But um, <laughs> it's kind of cool because, like, it's made me realize why I don't enjoy football anymore. Like, why I don't invest my emotions or time into it. Oh, it'll mess you up. It, it yeah. It hurts. Mate, I was like, I was hurt yesterday when we didn't like, get through. Actually depressed. Yeah, exactly. Yep. And it's like, okay. And before that, the morning of yesterday, Conor McGregor broke his ankle. I don't know if you saw that. I saw, oh. I, I saw like a, I saw you post like, come on. And then I saw a man on the ground. <laughs> that was about all I knew about it. I love Conor McGregor. I love, love, love Conor McGregor. And it was this, it was like the trilogy. He, he beat this guy and then this guy beat him. Yeah. And it was, so it was one all. Um, okay, and there was, was the one. loads of trash talk and he was kicking this guy and they, and apparently he fractured his leg with, within these kicks and then went to oh. throw a punch, leant back on the leg and his ankle just goes, boop, just, oh. just bre- one of those, one of those like breaks you see on Instagram and you're yeah, like, yeah, oh, yeah. I wish or I didn't see buckles. that. I wish I didn't see that. Mm, so yeah. yesterday was rough. Yesterday was rough really, but then I just well, you know what? realized who cares? I've got loads of cool stuff going on. I love drums. Can't wait to play drums tomorrow. And then I've got them in my life. So. And you've, you're about to be the participant in Would You Rather live gig audition. Okay, go on. Ah, biscuits. <laughs> I'm cutting that out. <laughs> Would You Rather live gig edition. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I'm, I'm way too caffeinated. Matcha's flowing through everything. Okay, so it's we're getting up to that point where people are playing live gigs again. You're about to start doing some big kid gigs with Busted. So I've got the Would You Rather live gig edition for you. So this is you on stage at a gig. You have to choose one or the other. You okay. ready? Yeah, I, I feel bad because this is two games to one now. You did a game last time. and I've got to come up with a game. I'll do a game next week. I promise. Dude, I have nothing going on in my life. <laughs> this is so much fun for me to create. I just Either drive I. around in circles. <laughs> Literally. I'm just a loser driving my car around in circles in a parking lot thinking about like, what's the next game I can play with Eddie? So, and I was like, live gig edition. So uh, now you can go one word answers. That's fine. Or okay. you can explain yourself. I'm totally cool with that. Okay. 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 You have shown up to the arena and you get to choose only one of these normal kit. Everything's normal, but you can have hi hats or a ride, but you can't have the other. Oh, hi hats. Definitely. Done. Definitely. Right. Hi hats on. Yeah, 100%. I'm with you on that yeah, one. Yeah, 100%. All right. You can have your snare drum of choice and then whatever the rental bass drum pedal is or your bass drum pedal of choice and whatever the rental snare is. Oh, that is a good one. <laughs> it's a very good one. <laughs> I would have to say, I would have to say the snare. I would have to okay. say the snare. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
Got to be the snare. Snare that's of a, choice, and then you'll just make the bass drum pedal work. That's the tough one because if the pay, if the bass drum pedal doesn't work, what do you do? You know, what, where do you go from there? <laughs> you mate? talk. You tell the <laughs> you tell the the MD how great your snare is. <laughs> like, well, listen like, to that crack, especially with like uh, rock and pop. It's too fast to do any of these punk beats with the with your left hand on the floor. Yeah, your yeah, right with the hand floor, Tom. The ain't gonna happen, mate. It's gonna be like no. the classic dun scats. Yeah. Um, yep. Oh, that's tough. Yeah, snare, mate. Snare all day long. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So you'll just assume that the pedal's going to get us through, but you'll love your snare for the entire show. <laughs> what, what? What about you? <laughs> what about you? Uh, I, this isn't this isn't my game. I mean, I'm not the contestant. It's it, this is all you. So okay. Uh, okay. No, I mean, I, I'm I'm probably the same. I I can make almost any bass drum pedal work as long as it's not going to break down on me. Okay. But if if I'm not enjoying my snare drum, it's a long old. Oh my god, it's a long yeah. All right, you ready? Yep, 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 yep. Question. By the way, these are the easy ones. When we get to question okay. six, things get a little rough. Okay. All right. This is not better or worse. It's just honestly preference. This is something that every gigging touring drummer goes through. In ears or floor wedge? Oh, uh, in ears all day, man. All day okay. long. Beautiful. Yeah, I can't. Beautiful. All right. With everything that we play at the minute, and like everything I play, it's all click. It's like. Oh, all okay. I Good need point. is all I need is that click. You know, I don't need anything. Four wedge would be a little, a little, a little revealing to the crowd. It was like kink, kink, chorus, kink. Wait, we um, we we. I swear, like that's jogged my memory. It was either a show or it was a clinic where the click was just coming out front of house, and it got to the point where oh no, it was a clinic. Yeah, I think it was one of these ones at a college, and it got to the point where I was running so late, and I was just like, look, guys, do you mind? It could be a cool experience for you to hear the click and see how tight I oh, am. Oh, totally. And uh, they were like, yeah. yeah, yeah, sure. But after a couple of minutes, I could. it wasn't a nice click. It wasn't one of those Yeah, nice... yeah, yeah. That's the thing is people think that they're going to get to hear like the thing that we put out on our videos. Yeah, no. It's like, no, the reality click is harsh and it's way louder oh, than the song. Mine's distorted. It's... Mine's gang, 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 gang. <laughs> Just so I can't, can't go off it. <laughs> That's so true. That's why I never want the audience to hear my click because they'll hear like, well, it's not just a click. It's a click that's at a thousand decibels. Plus there's a shaker <laughs> underneath in 16th notes to keep me on time. Plus there's a lady counting in the background saying one, two, three, yeah. four. Yeah. And then there's me talking over the top of it. Hey, don't forget you have to come out of this in four bar. It's like, you don't want to hear the back. Yeah, you track. don't want to hear that. It's a cheat sheet from hell. <laughs> it is a cheat sheet. All right. <laughs> Next one. Now you have your in-ears, okay? okay? You're set with in-ears. You've got your snare drum. You've got your hi-hats. You get to put one thing behind you. A fan to keep you cool or a sub to feel the low end. Ooh, sub all day long. There is nothing better than in-ears and a great in-ear mix. I and then you've oh. got that sub. Oh my God. It's I like will the best sweat all parts. day just to have in-ears and a sub. Yeah. I sometimes like I'm getting a you. sweater, man. It makes me just fit. Like creates this yeah. atmosphere and this vibe that I, I just I love but yeah I I knew you'll be with me on that one mate it's like oh I love it what the the one thing for me which the sound engineers hate is actually having both monitors and ears so not like have a sub yeah sure but yep. actually have a, a little monitor as well floor wedge just yep. yeah just so you can sort of I'm the same because sometimes ear your ear falls out yep absolutely all right this one I don't know how you'll answer Sold out venue of 150 capacity room 
or sold out venue of 10,000 capacity. Whoa, that is tough. Oh, by the way, the pay is exactly the same. Okay. So you don't get a bigger paycheck for 10,000 people. Oh, mate, it really is tough. Because there's definitely both. Uh, I've, oh, mate, it depends who the artist is, you know. It depends okay, who the artist point. is. Like, if, if I'm going like rock band, I think I would go for the smaller club. Yeah, yeah, I think I would. There's go. something just amazing about. It. Yeah, yeah, I definitely don't. I don't want to be doing a Ricky Martin show in front of 150 people. What's my cup to uh, these days? Nothing. That, <laughs> nothing. Yeah. I don't even play. I'm living La Vida Loca in 150 seaters <laughs> with Ricky Martin and the Taco Kid driving his tour bus. Yeah, I don't want to do that. Yeah, uh, I, I agree with you. Okay, so rock. Let's say it's a rock band. You're going with 150 capacity. Sweaty bodies, mosh pits, yeah. just pure chaos. People falling onto the stage, bumping into your kid. Yep. It's the best. Having right? to walk through the crowd to get to the dressing room. It's the best. That's the one. Absolute best. Yep. All Love right, that. I'm with you. Okay. Six through 10, oh, things are about to get tougher. Come on. You can choose for the next busted tour the color of your kit or what's on the front bass drum head. Charlie will choose the other. <laughs> That's a good one. That is a good one. I I will uh, I'll go color of the kit. Color of the kit. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And then and then Charlie can just put his face right on the his bass drum head and you're fine with it. <laughs> his face right on there. Like <laughs> I no, love it. Like no hair, just zoomed like pure face. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Pure yes, face. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Phil Collins' first solo album face value just yeah. right up. Mate, on they don't it. make right, album beautiful. covers like that anymore, do they? No. It's just, no, they really don't. It's just like <laughs> The guy's good <laughs> face. And it's not even... Could you imagine the shoot? How quick that would be? Uh, Phil, can you get a little closer to the lens? Thank you. All right. We're done. Everyone, that's a wrap. Like, <laughs> one shot. And it's um, like, they're not, they're not even trying to look cool or like, or like sexy. They're just like... No. This is, hey, it's like a mugshot. Hey. <laughs> it's a, absolutely. Maybe you get some dramatic lighting. All right. So you get to choose the color of your kit. Now, this is a big one for anyone that's actually toured in a signed band meet and greet before the show oh, or after the oh, show before before yeah yeah before non-sweaty non non-gross non-worn out yeah it's um yeah and it gets you pumped for the gig as well for sure after a gig mate this is where people get it wrong if you've never toured or you kind of or you don't know what it's like to tour um not, not even at a specific level just in general right yep after a gig all I want is a hot bath and bed. I, yep. especially if you're headlining, mate, all this, oh, you're coming out like when you go back to the dressing room and then everyone starts bringing their mates in and all looking at you sort of going, we're going out, what, you're going to meet us at the bar? And I'm like, mate, I have just not only like worked out physically harder than you ever will in the gym, right? <laughs> Mentally, I am on my ass. I have just gone through <laughs> so much. 100%. I, all my adrenaline my energy is completely gone the last thing I want to do it's is gone. go to a sweaty nothing. bar and yeah. shout conversation uh, yeah it's so funny So I, while I, drinking exactly yeah I bet you're the same right oh my god yeah, yeah. just just get me to the hotel a nice cup of tea yeah you know maybe a little uh, maybe a little mint little mint tea some some non-caffeinated tea and shut it down and and you know what I'm one of those people where I don't need anything other than I need my space. So if it's a tour bus and it's my bunk, fine. I will make my bunk the most luxurious hotel room ever. Yeah. So I don't care how cool it is or how big it is. I just need my place to like be my only child and just leave me alone. Yeah, man. And so, yeah, I, I, I'm with you on that one. All right. 
This, the last three are tough. Okay. These are good. Attending your next, attending your next gig with Busted. Travis's drum tech, and he's now your tech, or Travis, and he's just on the side of the stage watching his buddy play. <laughs> oh, oh, flip. Um, right, say that again. Say that again. So you get Travis's tech, and he is your tech for the gig. Mm-hmm. Or you don't get a tech, but Travis will be there in attendance. Travis. Ben. By the way, we're not talking about your son. We're talking <laughs> yeah, about yeah, yeah, Travis yeah. Parker. Yeah. yeah tra- <laughs> your son tra- doesn't have a drum tech. Tra- yeah, Travis being there, I reckon. Sometimes <laughs> I like the, setting up my own kit and stuff like that. Sometimes. Okay. Um, just because I feel like it gets you in. What well, tour is touring is so boring, mate, isn't it? Like, yeah, <laughs> you've got, oh, you got to have something to do. My, I mean, you can't even imagine how shiny my snare was. <laughs> I polished that thing every day for an hour because I had nothing to do. Um, and so, so your idol being there wouldn't, I mean, you've played in front of Travis before, so it's not going to cause you too many nerves, right? Yeah, I love it. I love, I love when people are there. It gets okay, it gets me going, really. I love it when people yeah. are on the side of the stage, even if it's like, I don't know, like my, my dog walker. You know, that right. was a bad example. Um, <laughs> Do you have a dog walker? Are you that rich? <laughs> no. <laughs> but my, I'm married to my dog walker. She's out with Juno right now. <laughs> Basically someone that I like kind of know or no, not okay, really. There Even we if go. they aren't drummers. Okay. So the lady that you tried to PayPal a hundred quid to. Yeah, that's it. it. Just her being there. The lady that delivers your packages. <laughs> yeah, All right. Yeah. Uh, next one. This is going to be tough. And let's just assume that none of these people that are involved listen. <laughs> Next gig with Busted. On side stage, all of your A&Rs from your current companies that you're endorsed by. So they finally get to see in person who you are, what you do, appreciate the eddiness, showers of compliments, mm-hmm. or all of your family. They fly in from all around the country and your family's standing there to watch you play the next arena with Busted. Yeah, family all day long. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Family, man. That is... Yeah. Do you have do you have siblings? Yeah, I've got a brother. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, that must yeah. be the difference. Because I'm an only child. I wouldn't even I wouldn't even invite my family. <laughs> I mean I would, but I I mean the A and R is all day for me. Yeah, I um, think like I think like Yeah, it's interesting. to move that career forward if I ever want to see my family again. I mean, otherwise I'll be broke <laughs> <laughs> just living on the streets. Yeah, I think yeah, I think uh yeah, I think family because there's there's so many members of my family that have never seen me do what I do, really. Yeah, I. you know what? That's a good call. I have some uncles and stuff that I truly would love. Just It's like, do you even know what your nephew does? Yeah. I do this for a living. And to the extent of what you, you know, how sick you are and like, no, 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 that sounded so <laughs> arrogant. I was talking oh about you God. then. I was talking about uh-huh. <laughs> Yeah, sure you were, bud. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not posting this clip to Instagram. Don't worry about I was, it. Don't I was worry about it. talking about you. But you know what I mean? Like, it's that funny thing of... um. Where, where someone's like, oh, are you in a band? And you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or I play for a band or I'm playing a drum festival. And they're like, oh, cool. And they just assume it's this tiny room. And they relate yeah, it to yeah, their yeah. like local shit pub or something. Yeah. And, but if they could see you shirtless with pyro, they'd be like, yeah. wait a minute. That's my nephew? Yeah, exactly. Like, uh-huh. yeah, 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 that's yeah. what I do for a living. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah it, okay. it happens, mate. Well, like one of the biggest London gigs LTA did, like, my mum my was here the other day and we were talking about it. It's so funny. Like some of the, some of my family were like, they were going to come, then they couldn't. Okay. And then like on the day, oh, we're going to come now. And then like an hour before the show, oh yeah, we're going to pop down. And it's like, my mum was like, this isn't the flipping local pub. Like 
your, yeah, t- you don't your, pop your down. tickets are gone. Like there's no more. Guest <laughs> list is full. Like what are you on about? Yeah, yeah. It's anyway. over. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Anyway, you know, fuck family. A and R then. Yeah. There you go. There you go. And you didn't you didn't happen to text these people like, do you know how sick I am? I'm Eddie Thrower. <laughs> Bro, I'm sorry. There's no used. way I'm not making that my ringtone. That is, that uh, is getting used across all social platforms to promote yes. this podcast. <laughs> oh, okay, the last one. This is the big one. This is for you and I as content creators and content folks. When the show is over, one person is going to walk up to you with a thumb drive. And that thumb drive will either have a full batch of pro photos from the gig or clips of pro video do you want pro photos to post or do you want pro video video for me do Definitely. you I, okay. it's, honestly man it's like i'm sure you're the same it's how i learn like it's how i'm like oh maybe i did i thought i was playing that really loose and i i, I thought i was right. looking loose and i'm actually, i'm thinking of it just as like content for you to post to social media mm. <sighs> and you're not wrong i mean it's your yeah, choice yeah i think video i think video you know? yeah even though you're wrong <laughs> <laughs> I, okay, so here's my only my only thing with this is when you used to post when when the touring thing was still going on, you posted a lot of pictures from busted shows. Yeah, and the amount of work I did in my head to imagine that moment was really fun. If it's a video, there is no imagining. I just see everything. Yes, yeah, but I would point. just see like a shot from the back of you, pyro, massive crowd, and I was like, and this is actually before we were really close friends. I was like. Jesus, how sick is Eddie Thrower? <laughs> I'm never going to live bro. that down. I'm uh, sorry. That's the last one. I'm, that's the last one. <laughs> but seriously, I did kind of think that. I was like, damn, that's a big ass crowd. And I I actually learned a little bit of that thinking from Mark Juliana when we were talking about some different educational stuff. And he's like, there's nothing wrong with letting people imagine things. Yes, yeah, good point. you know, I was like, okay, cool. You know, and so anyways, um, but yeah, I think... Uh, it's funny. I so Instagram like last week the CEO announced that Instagram is no longer a photo sharing app. It is all video even though you can still share photos. But mm-hmm. they're putting all their priority behind trying to keep up with TikTok. And since that announcement by no choice of my own, I've only uploaded photos. Yeah. I don't know why. I I've been uploading videos for the last 5 years straight. And then all of a sudden, I just had this like, oh, I like this picture. I like this picture. I just wanted to share it with the world. And I kind of wish all these freaking algorithms would die so that I can just share whatever I feel passionate about sharing. I don't want to think about it. And that's kind of where I'm at with social media right now. I'm I'm in a very lucky position, a very privileged position that I have a following and I'm not trying to start a following. Then I would have to obsess over algorithms and all that kind of stuff. But it's like, well, yeah, I know that literally this week, Instagram said they're not prioritizing photos. But I like this picture and I want to share it. And I had fun taking this picture and I'm going to share it because I like it. And so that's, um, that's the best yeah. way to do it, man. That is the best way to do it. Like I see, um, I follow a lot of people in, within the fashion world and it's, and it's literally, I love it because they literally just post whatever they want, whenever they want. There's no, right. mm, I'm not going to catch the algorithm here or oh, yeah, this is take, at 9am. Yeah. This is like, oh, this is taken on my phone. Like. I should yeah. really take this with, you know, I, I work for Louis Vuitton. I've got a team of like amazing photographers. Oh, fuck, I'll just take it on my phone. But I love that. And I, there's definitely um, a sense of that, isn't there? When you see all these videos at the minute and it's just like everyone is trying to catch that algorithm, which I, I get it, but I, I agree with you, man. There's nothing better when you see people just post because they want to share 
what totally and and also i mean you know instagram or youtube or facebook or whatever it is or tiktok sometimes it's just the excuse to get me to create something i need the photo reps of taking pictures i can't just like not take photos and then think yeah but the next time i grab my camera i'll be better at this it's like well i won't i'll have lost my eyes ability to to recognize exposure and proper lighting and you know i might put the camera up to my eye and not even realize that i've got it on auto white balance Mm -hmm. you know where now right now because i'm taking so many photos i'll know right away like oh crap i didn't even set custom white balance for this specific shot i didn't properly white balance and even though i'm shooting in raw and i can fix all of that it's always better if you get things right in camera so um all right well that is would you rather live gig Audition. Okay, that's that audition. That was great, man. I'm gonna come back with a game for you next week for sure. Okay. Yeah. I'm gonna think from because like I said, I've got no life. From from this moment, (laughs) I'm gonna think about the questions I'm gonna ask you, and they're gonna be very good ones. Yeah. So 21 minutes in, how are you, bro? Yeah, mate, I'm very good. I'm 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 great. (laughs) More importantly, how are you? You look like you've been very busy doing a lot of amazing things. I coming up with games. Yeah. Um for you well i did have a six hour drive to la and a six hour drive back to think about this game for you so uh it's a little bit of of cheating uh yeah man uh had a blast in los angeles i was there for two and a half days of shooting um can't really talk about what i was shooting just yet but we will soon um but that was my first time playing drums in front of people in a long time and my first time making video content anywhere other than my own studio in over two years, which is so nerve wracking. Yeah. But, um, you know, the, the whole, like we turn our own cameras on, we screw up a thousand times. We don't care. It's so different when there's a crew of people and mic operators and sound people. I mean, we had three sound people there, um, you know, doing, cause we're in like kind of an echoey room. So we've mm. got mics hanging from the ceiling. We've got people that are holding up things that muffle the, the room a little bit. Uh, we had a steady cam operator. If you guys have ever seen somebody wearing what looks like a transformer suit and there's a camera attached to it, that's a steady cam operator. So it's like a gimbal times a million, but those things, especially with a $50,000 red camera attached Oof. to it, they're about a hundred pounds. And so for every single time I played drums from 9 a.m. all the way until about 7 or 8 p.m., this guy had that rig attached to his body and was running around shooting video. And I mean, that type of pressure of like, all right, 90 second drum solo, go. And we also need you to repeat it note for note next time because we have to get a different shot of like spinning around you. And uh, I mean, it was crazy. I got to say the the thing that was the most daunting to me was having to sit in front of a camera just like this and deliver lines almost like an actor. Like I had like my script that I had written. Um, I just don't do that. I mean, when I speak to a camera, I just press record and I just say whatever I'm going to say. So, and then I edit out what I don't want, but we just didn't have that kind of time. You don't have that kind of time on a shoot like this. You don't just like let it roll and see what happens. You know, Um, you have to, to nail this thing. And so, Doing that in front of like 20 people that are, I mean, you know, when was the last time you had a slate operator? Like, you know, <laughs> take seven, click. And, yeah. like, and then he's showing it to all four camera angles. And, and by the way, I'm in LA, it's a thousand degrees. There's no air conditioning. And I'm like, should we, should we just dab off my forehead a bit? Like, damn, it was, 
Did it make I had three you, of the exact same gray t-shirt? Did it make you <laughs> Went think through all three? Like when now you're back at your place, did it has it made you think, oh my God, this is so easy and effortless now to just make a video on my own and just like to be able to make a mistake? Like has it has it yeah. made you feel like energized to just turn the camera on and just shoot? You know what? I gotta say, being around people that do what you and I dabble in, that do it for a living, it made me really excited to just make anything mm. because these guys were all, you know, this is a crew from L.A. Um, I was working with my favorite director, uh, Richie Films. And so <clears throat> Richie was, you know, he, he brought he we, we pulled a lot of favors to make this work. So a lot of the people that were there were kind of younger people just trying to get into the industry. And, and maybe they were just like a second gaffer for the thing to get the lights kind of going or you know, we, we paid obviously as much as we could for a really great DP and, and audio and all of that stuff. But we had a lot of crew there to see those guys and girls with rental gear, you know, that they're just so excited to operate this legit camera. And I'm thinking like, man, I own three of those and I just take it for granted. Yeah, like, I need to I need to make I need to create something for the sake of creating it and just have fun creating content. I can't freaking wait to do more of that. So that was really cool. Obviously getting to just ask questions of like, Hey, how are you adjusting your shutter speed for this shot? You know, why are you able to adjust your shutter speed so high? Isn't that going to make my sticks look kind of rubbery if we're going way past double of the frame rate. And then Richie would explain to me, yeah, yes, it would on your camera, but the red doesn't have rolling shutter. So actually it'll just give it a really cool look and it'll be like more of like a Nike commercial. And I'm like, okay, cool. That's, you know, I mean, mm. I learned so much That's on the amazing. shoot and it was rad. I mean, I had, I mean, the other pressure thing is um, I had a rep there from uh, the company that was there. <laughs> I saw um, you think about that then. <laughs> yeah, that was a close one. That was uh, close. We can edit. Um, we can edit. Yeah, it's all good. Uh, but yeah, and then uh, uh, the Travis Barker's photographer was there because he's now working with that company as well. And so just, and th how incredible, I mean, I say Travis Barker's photographer just because I know everyone will recognize that. But I mean, he works for Nike, Adidas. He works for everybody. And just to see his humility and like his ability to come in as kind of the big dog. I mean, he had, he had accomplished the most in the photo slash film industry out of anyone there. Yet he came in and stayed in the background and just took pictures and didn't interrupt the video shoot. He understood the priority of this thing is video mm. and he's there to capture what's happening. And it was really cool, man. I, I mean, I really enjoyed talking to him a lot. So, yeah, I had a great time. And then uh, it was great to have that six hour drive back. Like I, I actually love those things because it just gives me a chance to zone out yeah. and think about, OK, what's coming up next? And it's and, definitely um, um, it's definitely a pinch me moment. Right, well, you're oh, like for sure. I mean, like you said, even on a, even on a level of I've got this camera, <laughs> you know, like totally. I bet, you, I bet I mean, on that drive back, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I assume on the drive back, you were just thinking, "God, life is fucking sick." <laughs> I definitely had a little one of those like Eddie Thrower moments where I'm like, "Do you have any idea how sick I am?" Exactly. I teed it up. You hit it. There we go. Yeah. Oh, great! But no, I mean, I think if anything, it was like almost more motivating to feel like, dude, you have so many opportunities that a lot of people don't have. Don't take it for granted. You're, you know, yeah. you work to be here, but a lot of people have worked and didn't get this because maybe a few lucky breaks didn't happen. And 
you know, I mean, when you and I look back at our careers, there's the effort and the passion that everyone has to do to succeed. There are, but there are lucky breaks for sure. But then there's also like this, I mean, I could gather probably 30 people in a room and be like, I would not have the career I have today without these 30 people who you will never know went so far out of their way to help me get where I am. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so it was just like a feeling of don't waste this, dude. You're very lucky to be in the position you're in. Get after it. And so I'm, I'm excited, man. I'm, I'm super pumped. So That's amazing. I, and it just, I, I would say if anything, it makes me think about tuning. I mate, so funny when you were saying this whole thing. I was looking at the episode above your face, and it says episode forty six tuning, and I was like, we may have to change that. We <laughs> we we may we may have to just call this one like motivation or something catching up catching up catching up motivation episode two or whatever it is. Um, but oh, mate, man, no, but it's 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 important to recognize these moments in your career because I feel like when yeah. you do work on your on your own and for yourself it is so easy to just get caught up in this bubble and you're in, in your own head and just never really, not never, but like sometimes take things for granted or not realize the extent of what you're doing and how big it is and how impactful it is until you're around other people. And you're like, yeah, this is, this is absolutely amazing, man. Like, so it's cool, man. Yeah. I, um, I did hear one of the crew guys uh, <laughs> at one point, obviously these are crew guys from LA. They don't, they don't know who I am or what I do. But as I was delivering my lines to the camera and like, you know, looking deep into the lens, I did overhear one of them go like, damn, dude, he should do more of this. And I was like, <laughs> right on. You think I'm just an idiot drummer. I, I will take that. that all day long. Well, love I got to say, um, yeah, I, I think that there's a balance before we get into tuning. There is a balance that most people don't ever talk about. And it's for people that have kind of maybe not arrived. I don't want to say that, but you and I have both achieved a level of recognition where we are inside the drum industry. We, we do drum festivals, we do clinics, we are, are endorsed, all that kind of stuff. There's a weird thing where I, instead of being driven and motivated most of the time, it's a balance between being complacent and depressed. It's like, well, I'm here and I've done enough or I suck and I don't deserve to be here. But <laughs> yeah. it's really hard to get back to that thing that we would have been 10 years ago where it's like, I'm going to tackle the world i am yeah. so focused and so driven it's really hard to keep that level of intensity up i think it's why regardless of age sports stars eventually run their course you know i mean there's Man. you can always see it in our in our football not to bring up painful stuff in your football but in our football you can always see when a running back just got their forty million dollar deal because they do not run yeah, as hard ever again so funny you're you're you, we, we've got onto this because we were talking about um Conor McGregor, like me and my brother yesterday. Yeah. And uh, he referenced, I think it was Evander Ho Holyfield. Holyfield. He said, yep. it's very hard to wake up at 5 a.m. in silk. And it's like... <laughs> That's such a great line. It's such a great line. It's like, when you make that, you know, because Conor McGregor made 100 million, I think, fighting Mayweather. And the Jeez. argument is, he's never been the same since. He's only won yeah. one fight against someone who isn't that good in the last four years since fighting Mayweather. Really? Yeah, so... The argument is, is that, you know, once you get that big check and that huge yeah. check in that world, you know, it's never the same. And I, and I, and I know what you mean, man. It's like, um, that's kind of what I've been going through. I'm like, oh man, like, I just want that. That's why I've started learning jazz that, you know, just, just to mm -hmm. fall in love with that process again. Um, yeah. and really dive into something that is, you know, as simple as a, a, a swing, 
<laughs> and a shuffle. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That has occupied mm. my life since he taught me that like two months ago or whatever. And it's so nice. It's the simplicity of just like, yeah. oh my God, like this is so simple, but this is why I love drums. This is why I fell in love with it in the first place. But yeah, it's I'm interesting. In, I'm in the same boat, man. Yeah. I mean, and, and I think that's, that's what that video shoot gave me is it gave me my drive back, which is, that's the most valuable thing in the world is like, I know when I'm driven, there's nothing that I can't accomplish. It's just really hard to manufacture drive. We've talked about that on this mm -hmm. podcast a lot. So let's talk about how the bottom head affects <laughs> the overall sound of the drum. Let's get into tuning. <laughs> We're going to bang this out. We, we already knew going in, Eddie and I talked about it earlier that our our views on tuning is not, it's not quite enough for a full episode, but we also knew we had a lot of catching up to do because we've been too busy to voice note the hell out of each other. So when it comes to tuning, let's talk about what it means for a drum to be in tune. We're going to take the bottom head off. The only thing we have on is the top head. This is now a single membrane drum. It's not two headed. It only has one head on top. What it means to be in tune is that all five or six or eight of the tension rods, the tuning points, they all match identical. If they do, the drum is in tune. Now, every single drum has a tuning range that it works with. Sometimes you can tune too high for the specific shell or too low. And even though it's technically in tune, the drum sounds terrible because that specific drum doesn't respond well. And that's one of the first things I do when I get a new drum set is I go through the tuning range and I try to find out like what is too low for this kit and what is too high for this kit. I've had kits that were begging to be jazz kits. They loved being tuned high, but if I tried to make them thumpy and fat and just they just wouldn't do it. But I had other kits in those exact same sizes with the exact same shell material and they did it just fine. So you have to keep in mind, unless you're getting a metal or an acrylic kit, you're dealing with a natural material that got different amounts of rainfall than your other kit. And I mean, this is wood, so it's not always going to be the same apples to apples. So you have to figure that out. Once you have your top head tuned or your bottom head to one head tuned, then you have a second head. And that's where things get really difficult. That's why a timpani drum can be tuned to a note. There's only one head. As soon as you have two heads, it doesn't work that way. When people are like, I tuned to A and it's like, which head? Because I mean, even if you have like A flat and A flat, great. Well, what happens in the two milliseconds it takes for the sound to get from the top head to the bottom head? Oh, I didn't think about that. It's like, okay, well, it's not that easy. That's why it's a nightmare to tune drums. So I can tell you this right off the bat. Whatever you think your issue is, it's your bottom head. <laughs> Every time. That bottom head, all any of you need to do right now is go over to your drum set, go to your rack tom, and take out one tension rod from your bottom head. Your drum will not make a noise. It'll go <laughs> every time. And it'll be like, wait, that's what my bottom head does? And it's like, yes, it's called the resonant head. It resonates. It does all the work. All, the all of the tone is coming from that thing. So if you don't really pay attention to the tuning of that, you're going to have some trouble. Mm -hmm. I remember my uh, this guy called Dan Norris. He's an amazing drum tech. He he like it's drum techs with Freddie uh, uh, Sheed at the minute. Okay, the guy does Lewis Capaldi. Um, and he he talked me through that. And he was um, reskinning the head, and I was filming it for um, my old membership. And I was just blown away by like how much that bottom head made a difference. 
It was insane. Oh, and it's always this. It's, it's always everything. the way. Like you, like you said, you always just ignore it. You're always trying to find mm-hmm. that sweet spot with a top head, and then you just give up and you just play. And it's just it's one of yeah. those things where you actually Fine. spend some time and just actually use it. It becomes. It is literally like taking a guitar that is out of tune and then having it be in tune. It's like, oh, this this makes sense. This is totally. this is how it's meant to sound. Um, yeah, I always have my resonant head higher. Yeah. Do you? Yeah. Yeah. Well, for me, the way I do it is I actually tune my top head based off of feel. So I get it. I don't even think about the the sound. I just get it. Like, let's say we're talking about my 12-inch rack tom. I tune it until the response of the stick is what's really comfortable for me to play with. And then I tune, and then I change the pitch with the bottom head. Mm. So I can dramatically make this, the drum lower by lowering the bottom head or dramatically make it higher by raising the pitch of the bottom head. Yeah. So for me, it's more like I want the drum set to feel the way I want it to feel. And then I control the pitch with the bottom head. Um, but I'm very conscious of how in tune that bottom head is. And it's also something that like a lot of times people say like, you know, when should I change my bottom heads? My advice is if there's any remote dent in it because you kept setting it down on the bottom head in your car on a piece of hardware, it's toast. That will cause these reflections to be shooting off all over the place and it's it's toast. But if it's old, I actually don't have a problem with that because as that mylar ages and the glue inside the, the rim ages it deadens up a little bit and it'll help you not have the most, you know, I, I, I personally hate having to change a bottom head cause I'm like, Oh God, I mean, this thing's going to ring for an hour. Mm. You know, it's because I have a brand new fresh bottom head. So yeah, the bottom head is a big deal for me. And as far as tuning, um, you know, like I said, I get the top heads to feel the way I want. And then I get the bottom head to control how high or low the pitch is. Um, and then the other thing, and this doesn't really have to do with tuning, but it's something that people should know. You can kind of kill the sound of a drum, obviously in lots of different ways. You can do it with gels. I use cotton balls mm-hmm. inside both of my toms. Um, but as someone that puts my rack tom on a snare stand, if you crank that snare stand and just kind of compress that bottom head really hard, it actually kills the tone. Yeah. So a lot of people, everyone's chasing like the the resonance and I need to have the independent sustain system and I'm going to put little booty kickers on my snare stand. I'm like, and then what? Six gels? <laughs> Why does everyone chase the, all this tone and then they shut it all down? Yeah. Like, you know, microphones don't love doom. <laughs> They're not fans of that. They like doom. They love that. You can do anything with doom. But man, you get that thing. So, uh, moving on, I know you have a lot of experience with this. Can you talk about the difference and, and, and maybe not even technical, but just whether there is a difference or not, but especially in a studio session, the difference between what your ear hears and what the microphone oh hears God, when it comes amazing. to tuning. It's a world of difference. It's always the mm-hmm. way where like you bring a drum in and you're like, yeah, yeah, this, uh, this is my blah, blah, blah. And it produces my vintage 1984. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, there you go. My 1991. <laughs> and the producer's like, yeah, sure, man. Like, just whack it on, knowing yeah. full well that he's going to get out this thing from like Argos or Walmart, which looks horrible, sounds horrible, but then in the record and through those mics and through the compressors just sounds absolutely insane. That's one mm-hmm. thing that um, I learned quite quickly, that it just, it, like, tone and um, tuning for recordings is so, so unique and so different. And you've kind of got to sort of experience it to sort of like understand it. But it's um, 
it's crazy. Like, especially when you're trying to get like a low end snare drum, like it always yeah. sounds so, so bad. I mean, even on the busted, uh, one of the busted runs, I had like a, a, a left snare. I don't know what people call it. Auxiliary snare. It was basically like a fat side snare. Yeah, a side snare, but it was fat. Honestly, mate, you, that stick, there was no response whatsoever. <laughs> it was like, it had a big fat snare Finger drum tight. on it and it was just so, oh, I played it and I was like, mate, that is awful. And then out the front, yep. the sound engineer absolutely loved it. Um, and it's, yeah, it's really interesting, mate. It's really interesting. And that's why I always think, start off with feel like you said that's an amazing way of doing it I think that's what I do subconsciously because I don't really think about it too much but then uh, and then record see how it sounds within the kit you know like it's yeah. all well and good having that snare sound good on its own but when you put, when you put it with a kit or music or other instruments it can sound totally rubbish but yeah it's crazy man yeah you know and I, I've found too that like higher tunings especially the way that I play with like my rack tom I mean, my rack tom is almost at a jazz bop tuning but higher tunings do really well with a single overhead mic or just overheads in a room. Close mics are not big fans of higher tunings because nah. they just ring forever. But when you get that thumpy, just like kind of slack, almost out of tune. I remember Ash, uh, we were in Ireland doing one of our camps and Ash Sohn, um had his 10 inch Tom and we were totally laughing because <laughs> his 10 inch Tom was lower pitched than Mark Juliana's bass drum. Yeah, mate. I and bet. we're hitting bass drum versus 10. Bass drum versus 10. And the 10 would go, do. And then the bass drum would go, do. We're like, damn, dog. He's got an 18-inch kick that is higher than your 10-inch tom. And then Ash had this smug look of like, you should probably walk into the control room because you're hearing it in here. And we went into the control room, and I'm telling you, man, it sounded like a damn Adele record. It was so perfect. And it was out of tune. It was like, darn, darn. Yeah, yeah, mate, I bet. Doesn't surprise me. And the microphones don't pick up all of that stuff. And the things that were like, I mean, I remember asking the engineer, I'm like, isn't that out of tune? And he's like, dude, you put one guitar into the mix and you will never hear any of it. The guitar will eat that up. Mm -hmm. That, That frequency is not a problem. It's the attack that I need, that initial tone. Don't worry about that thing that happens afterward. Like the second tone, doom, row. Like the <laughs> row will never show up. <laughs> That'll get eaten up by everything yeah, else. Exactly. And yeah, sure enough, Ash recorded a track and it was like, and I, I remember, I mean, obviously we were recording through a Neve board and everything, but we, we hadn't mixed it or anything. And you heard it and he was playing to a drumless track, a James Morrison track. And it was like, you don't even need to mix it, dude. It's done. Yeah. It's done because he spends his life in a studio and knows how to tune for microphones. I've also had a similar experience, and this is kind of like what you had with Busted, where I remember I was playing, I had moved from DW to Yamaha, and I've always felt that DW are definitely the most drummer drums I've ever played, meaning they project towards you, the drummer, and what you get out of a DW is a beautiful experience. Yamaha, and I feel like maybe Japanese maple in general, um, they're almost like projection drums and microphone drums where... It may not be the greatest experience ever for you, but I just remember my sound guy when I moved to Yamaha. We did I did my first gig with a beach custom beach uh yeah, beach custom kit. And he was just like that's the best sounding kit I've ever heard. And I remember thinking like that was a terrible experience. <laughs> and it was just the way the drums projected to the microphones mm-hmm. and outwards. And even my band who stands in front of the kit, they were like, "Damn, that new kit is killer." And I'm like, "Really? It doesn't feel that way like 
three feet back from it where I'm playing. And so, you know, I mean, I think that that's kind of the nerdy part of drums that we all get to get into is like, man, I could have sworn I tuned this thing flawlessly, but it doesn't sound very good recorded. And it's like, well, now we're into a whole different world, like tuning for your ear, which is a few feet away from the thing you're hitting, whether it's your bass drum or your snare drum or your toms Mm -hmm. versus tuning for the microphone. That's one inch away from the side of the head. I mean, you're like, miking the top of the head you know what i mean so it's like if you want to know what your microphones are going through put your ear three inches from the head yeah Yeah. hit softly please i always used to tune just to sound good in the with the band that that was always my thing like there was a period of time where um i didn't we didn't have we couldn't afford to have a studio and i didn't have a kit at home um so the only time i was playing was when the band was practicing And, and granted we practiced quite a lot anyway but that's always that was what I did. I had to tune to cut through that the guitars and the, and the yeah. room and these awful rehearsal rooms that we were practicing and playing in. Um, and yeah, thinking about it, yeah, again, like, that's why I love this podcast because it makes me think about stuff that I've never really thought about before. But it, it was feel and then it was just like making each drum be like a stereotype of what it, what it should be. You know, like yeah, the high totally. tom, like just have that high. If it's going to be high, get it high because it needs to cut through so people can hear it. The floor tom, yeah. oh, it's got to be low. It's got to be basically finger thuddy. tight. Yeah, thuddy. Yep. Um, that's how I sort of did it, really. And then we're like, when I toured, yeah. it's so funny. I was talking to Charlie about this from Busted and now we've got like Pro Tools and stuff. We're learning about recording, especially him, more so, way more than me. We're like, oh, don't you wish you could go back and just pick the brains of all these producers and these amazing studios that you were in? And I was like, yeah, I, w- I wish, mate. Yeah, I, I don't even know how to work this two input focus right fucking whatever it is um and it's the same with tuning man i uh, honestly like when we've been around some of the greatest techs in the world and been like all right cool i'm gonna go get lunch i'll see you in a bit and it's like why don't i just sit there and i know ask just, them just questions watch them do it because now when i'm in my place i'm like oh i wish i could get that tone but i don't know how and i'm too impatient so i'll just play it how it is and just sort of just randomly do it yeah, but yeah. yeah i wish i could go back and especially on tour just figure out how they did it but talking about one of the techs on tour he used a tune bot, which I know you use, uh, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, that's another thing that we, you know, all go through. It's like, well, th- is there a shortcut? So whether it's a tune bot or there's um, another one that I can't remember who used to make it, but it was like a weighted thing that you would put around. Um, yeah, I, you know, yeah. The a old, tune dial. Yes. Yeah, yeah, dial, yeah, yeah, tune, yeah. tune dial. Um, so yeah. So, I mean, so you had a, a friend or a tech that used it? So the, the LTA tech, my best friend, okay. he, the, the guy who came on tour for five pound a day and had to hold yes. up the snare drum on our biggest gig ever, our first biggest <laughs> gig ever. Um, uh, yeah, him. So basically we, we, it was the same kit I've got now and we found the sweet spot for it and then literally just went around and saved it, saved the setting so we knew what it was. I never changed yep. heads. I never changed the kit. And it was amazing because he loved it because festival season, for example, like he's, changing heads behind the stage and there's a band playing constantly. He can't hear. And not only that, totally. he can't hit the drum because there's a band playing. Yeah, yeah, you just have to tap it. Yeah, yep. and like Great the point. only time you can actually really tap the drum is in between, in between, oh my God, in You're between changeovers. Really 
but the the crew were talking. Do you know what I mean? That, that you know everyone needs to hear totally. each other. So everyone's sat shouting "shut up." So that's what he found it useful for. He could tune without yeah, hearing the drum. Yeah, because you can really just tap right by the tension rod, and it picks up the the frequency. Mm. So I've always said that. So I don't know if you know, but I did the first commercial ever for the TuneBot. Did like you? Eleven years ago. Yeah, I'll send you because I have like bloopers of it. And oh, everything. mate, amazing! Yeah, do um, it. So it was like back when it was, it would have been considered like a Kickstarter project, you know, right, okay. but back then it was just called starting a company with no money. <laughs> and so, uh, they, I was like, this is, this is genius. And yeah, so I started kind of working with them and everything. And it's one of those things that I've always petitioned it to be renamed the fine tune bot because it's so good for fine tuning, but it tricks people who don't know how to tune into thinking if you have this, you can tune your drums, which is not the case. Because if you don't know how to get a drum close to being in tune, you can't really use that thing or any tuning product, whether it be an app on your phone or the drum dial or or the tune bot, doesn't matter. It's like if if the drum head is slack, meaning that it's all finger tight on all the tension rods, there's no tone and the drum isn't, uh, it hasn't been seated properly yet. It's not evenly seated. So you kind of have to get the drum like I tune, I would say, 98 percent by ear. Mm. And then the final two percent is me using the tune bot. And just like you said, the the biggest thing that I get out of the tune bot, it's not getting my drums in tune. I can damn near do that on my own. It's flying to Bangladesh and having a rental kit and knowing what my settings were at home instead of just relying on my jet lagged ear to get me close again. Yeah, because when I've done it by ear and I'm like, yeah, this is exactly it. It's always the case. I'm backstage. I'm like, this is it. We're dialed. They roll out my drum riser. I go and play the first song. And I'm like, is this Lars Ulrich's kit? Why is it so low? Like my rack drum was like, Vodouche. yeah. <laughs> like, what like, just happened? It's like when you're really tired and you don't totally and, you, and, you, and you're playing to click and you're like, have I put on the wrong click track? Like this can't oh be the God. same thing. And it, there, <laughs> every drum festival, I'm ready for 120 BPM. I press the space bar and goes, doop. <laughs> And I'm like, there's no way that's the first track. That, that is so slow. So many times. Like I look because your like, adrenaline's just pumping, dude. I'm like, oh my god, I need to slow down. Slow down. <laughs> I wish somebody should have like at the UK drum show, somebody somebody should have like a really good lens, like a 200 mil lens right on our face and mostly our nostrils for the first 16 <laughs> bars to see us do the Damn. <laughs> the full like slow down, bro. Yeah, like, Off to the races. Yeah. I just I mean, yeah. So I, I think tuning is the same way. So so whether it's the tune bot or an app or whatever you use, I do think if you know what you're doing, it's an invaluable device. I I get really bummed if I show up somewhere and as I'm unpacking my backpack that has all my little nicks and knacks in it, I'm like, oh, sh- crap, I forgot the tune bot. Yeah. Because it really is invaluable to me. Um, I love it. Uh, I, you know, I don't reach out to them. I'm not technically endorsed by them. I'm sure if I said like, Hey, can I get another one? They would, but mine still works. So, um, I love it and I use it all the time. So, all right. We do have a question from one of our patrons, by the way, if you guys want to become part of our amazing Patreon group and become one of the patrons, you can do that. Just head on over to, patreon.com forward slash drum with Mike and Eddie. We would greatly appreciate it. Uh, But for now, here is a question about tuning from Adam Stanley. 
Hello, Mike and Eddie. It's Adam here from Watford. How are you doing? Um, so my question is about snare tuning and especially for recording and I guess snare tuning for a room. So I, um, as I mentioned, I have a remote recording business which has been going for just over a year now. So obviously I've learned a shitload while I've been, um, been doing that. And I'm always, always trying to find the snare sound that works. And as you know, for each different song, it's going to be different. There's certain things that don't work. There's some things you think are going to work and then they don't. Um, And there's some things that sound terrible or just weird or not sort of killer, I guess, in the room. And then when you put a mic on it and some uh, mixing it sounds absolutely banging, like absolutely perfect. I just had this. I, I was um, I was doing like a kind of a slow pop rock song for somebody and then I decided to record something for myself. And uh, the snare tuning was... I, I have a bell brass snare um, and I tuned a Gretsch one, Mike. <laughs> um, it was tuned medium low and I hadn't even gotten rid of all the overtones. I would even say the drum sounded a little boingy in the room, a little bit. You could hear it wasn't perfect, and I didn't put any damping on it. But I thought, "Fuck it, I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna see what this uh, this does." And the effect um, when I when it came out the other end through the mics and and my light processing that I do was unbelievable. It sounds like that, what I call that American gunshot snare sound, you know, that I've been going for for ages the tommy lee kind of lars ulrich you know i I want that and i've been trying to capture that and so i guess my long-winded question is about what's your experience you know with tuning drums for recording for a room where things um are kind of unexpected like that things that are unexpected that have worked things that work that you kind of don't think are going to work, you know, stuff that you guys have experienced, just, you know, because you guys have had some really interesting recording experiences and, and what have you, and and you're obviously big into your sound, and I'd just like to hear your thoughts on, on that. So I hope that all makes sense, and thanks for the quality podcast. Nice one. Okay, we got an SH bomb, we got an F bomb. I think that's our first cussing in a in an audio question. Yeah, mate. I mean, he's like South African, he sounds South African, doesn't he? He sounds like he was born in Cape Town and then he moved to New Zealand for three weeks. And then, then he came to the UK yeah. to watch the Euros and yeah. now he's back with Stan Bicknell. <laughs> um, but uh, like first of all, more proof that I don't listen to these questions because we wouldn't we would have played this before we talked about record or tuning for recordings. And that's exactly it. I mean, he just perfectly illustrated the point that. Sometimes it doesn't sound very good in your in the room and where your head is. Your head is three to four feet away from the snare drum. But the microphone and the preamp and a little bit of processing, they just happen to love it. You know, I mean, a microphone is basically it's an ear that tunes certain frequencies in or out. And so sometimes that microphone doesn't pick up the things that you're hearing or it picks up things that you're not hearing. And so you just can't rely on it. Yeah, mate. And sometimes, man, I'm sure a few people listening to this who know how to record but more than me and better than me might curl their toes at this. But sometimes you just got to put all all the all the science out the window, mate. Just just yeah. hit things and just see how they sound and, and just figure stuff out, you know. Like, mate, I've, I've gotten the weirdest, to- the best tones from like a snare with like another head cut out onto it or a full head on it, but upside down and then like with a wallet on it and just all these random things. And uh, yeah, it's just, it's never been thought through. And that's what I like about recording. And that's what should 
existing recording, you know, just a creative yeah. process. Not There's nothing worse when you work with someone and they're like, well, we should really go up 10 hertz or we should yeah. go down 2 dB and, you know, we should, it's like, mate, just have some fun and be creative. Do you know what I mean? Just, Let's just Can it sound good? I just need to sound Throw good. stuff at the wall, see what sticks. And yeah. then you'd be very surprised. But yeah, no, it's, that's always happened to me. I mean, if I think about all the stuff I've recorded, uh, big, small or whatever, in the best studios, in the worst studios, all the stuff that I've recorded has been on like Frankenstein kits, heads that yeah. I would never have dreamt of playing, uh, in tunings that I thought were horrific, but it's always been the best stuff. Yeah, 100%. I mean, that's and that took me a long time to come to grips with. I don't think I ever would have. I think my ego would always be in the way like, no, I think it's going to be in tune because I've got the tune bot. Until I saw Ash track and I, I played his kit and I'm like, this is absolutely terrible, man. Like, and it was like, but he knew what he was doing. He knew exactly, you know, I mean, he even was talking to the engineer, like, actually, can you use that mic on my rack, Tom? Because I he knew everything. And that's what it is. I mean, you and I aren't session drummers and there's very few. Well, I mean, you're more of a session drummer than I am for sure, but we're not people that live day in and day out at a studio. I mean, Ash is at Abbey Road right now uh, recording some soundtrack stuff. So, but there's session drummers and there's session drummers that are very detached. Like I only come in and I play. Yeah. But then there's session drummers that have their own studios and they actually know the stuff. Yeah. And I mean, it's just, it just makes a world of difference, but I, I think just to kind of tie up Adam's question, it does come down to hitting it, recording, going back and listening to it and seeing what's going on. And I also think it's really helpful if you can have, you know, recording the way that I do, where I always play drums with nothing else, just drums. It's very revealing. But man, sometimes I'll just record to like a little backing track and I'm like, oh my God, I thought my snare was way out of control. It's fine. It's yeah. just guitars and bass eat up all those extra frequencies. I, it's totally fine. And sometimes it's not what you're hitting, it's how you're hitting it. Do you know what I mean? It's like, it's all, totally. a, it's all, a, like at the end of the day, you can have the best gear in the world or the worst gear in the world. Like it yeah. just comes down to the, like you said, the, the, the minutes and hours you put into this craft yeah. and it's how you hit it. Like, you know, all the session, okay, all let's the session talk stuff I've got paid for has come from me just spending my whole entire childhood and 20s recording music and that's why yeah. when I turn up to a paid session gig they go oh yeah we'll use them again because yeah let's talk about how you hit the drums before we get out of here you mentioned to me that you saw a video <laughs> of Post Malone and Devin Taylor and then eventually Chad Smith played on Devin Taylor's kit yeah and you were telling me how different it sounded even though it's the exact same kit, nothing moved, no tunings were changed. It was just Chad jumped up there and played a completely different style to Devin. And you said the kit sounded totally different. Oh, mate, it sounded completely different. Yeah, it was so interesting to see. Um, and the, the ones and both great, I'm assuming. Yeah, just I mean, very I mean, different. Devin's one of my favorite drummers of all time, to be honest. Yeah. And then like Chad, I I wasn't really into the Chili Peppers. Like, not that I dislike them or don't respect them. I just think uh, they never got me when I was younger. Same. I think um, if they had a different singer, maybe it would be different, but yeah, it just wasn't my thing. Same, mate. Like, Sorry, Anthony. Yeah, I just, I just never got, like, I listened to, I, if, if a Red Hot Chili Pepper song comes on, I turn it off. I'm just like, I don't. Yeah, I, I got to say this, though, real quick. Their hits are my least favorite songs of everything they've ever done. Yeah, same. Their hits annoyed me. It was all <laughs> the other tracks that are like, this band is so sick. Yeah. Why don't you put this out as a single? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, it was really interesting. I'll 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 link, I'll put it in the Patreon because I want people to see it and just, just understand like what I mean. But it was really cool. The sound difference, but also as well, like how 
Devin Taylor is a technical geezer. Like he is playing yeah. some linear chops, crossover stuff, like really crazy musical things, which is amazing. And then Chad gets up and he plays like a Black Sabbath Meet tune. Potatoes. And it's just singles. And it's just like, oh my God. Like when you hear them back to back, you're like, yeah, like this is just as impressive as all right. this crazy stuff Devin's playing. And um, and it was amazing. It just it just sounded like you could tell. Chad was playing because it was like that. When you listen to it, you're like, you could just picture all those clubs, those terrible clubs yeah. that he must have played, and you know, like just just the hours and hours and hours of playing music in 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 a rock band, and it just it sounded yeah. Wicked, and yeah. I think that that obsession, and I hope we don't lose it just because of the way our industry is going and the way the music industry is going. But you know, if you're in Chad's age group, I would assume he's maybe ten years older than me. So let's say he's mid fifties. Obviously he grew up with audio only. So he had records, then tapes, then CDs, but all he had was his headphones and he was trying to match his drums to sound that. And when he thought he got the tuning right, he couldn't still get it. So he hit it differently and he explored the crap out of that and losing that because of just where we're at. It's totally fine. But it, it is something that I feel like if I asked, one of my favorite Instagram players, like, hey, can you just give me like just this like really, really thuddy ACDC type of thing? Mm. I don't think they would know how to play the drums properly. They would play the drums, play they would play the drum part the way they play drums. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's like Chad would actually go, oh, you want some Mitch Mitchell from Jimi Hendrix? Okay, I'm going to get a little loose. My technique yeah. won't be perfect. Mate. I'm actually not going to play flawlessly in time. It's going to be bombastic. And that's something I, I I feel that I mean you're old enough to have that you were trying to do that with Lars and with mm. with Travis and everybody else you were listening yeah, to. yeah exactly it's such a good point mate and going back to tuning like honestly man like the kit was the same kit and he walks off Devin walks off and Chad walks on like there's no change in you know no one's no one's going up there and changing the tuning like that quick right. um, no one did anyway and uh, if the kit sounded completely different like completely yeah. so it goes back to my point like sometimes it's about how you're hitting the thing do you know what I mean yeah. it really really totally. is um, so yeah mate I've loved this episode what an absolute banging episode this has been <laughs> <It's> <laughs> fun, are, man. I was like this oh was god fun. this is so good but I, I will put that link in the Patreon and I'll, I'll okay. yeah because it's amazing yeah. why don't you put it right underneath the uh, odd time Spotify playlist that I've promised three episodes <laughs> in a row to post um, <laughs> okay by the way we totally understand that you know, not everybody can financially support this podcast through the Patreon page. I mean, it's as low as $5 a month. We totally understand if you can't do that. But if you could and you if you enjoy this podcast, please do us a favor and help other drummers find this podcast, either by sharing a screen grab of it or by just going to iTunes and writing a review. Those reviews and those five-star ratings, that's what determines whether iTunes shows this podcast to people that are looking for drumming podcasts. So if you can't become a patron, we fully understand as much as we appreciate the patrons. We understand that not everybody can do that right now. So if you can, if you enjoy this podcast, please help us to be heard by more people because we are trying very hard to really be a little bit of a, I don't know, a little bit of therapy for drummers Mm -hmm. and for creatives out there. And also just be transparent. That's that's the message that I keep on hearing in the DMs, man. It's like, oh, you guys are talking about things that I never thought pros would talk about i hate calling us pros because that makes me sound even i've dropped a lot of arrogant but things in this so episode sick. i have dropped you're so sick <laughs> that's number bro. two on the arrogant thing <laughs> eddie said today 
And now I'm talking about myself in third person. So that's the third arrogant thing. Wow, you did just drop an Eddie. Oh my Whoa. God, what's, what's happened to me, man? I can't even read your shirt. Does it say, how sick am I? <laughs> it does, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, no, it's, oh. it's, it's just, yeah, it's cool, man. Like, it's, it's, I would, honestly, I'm a fan of this podcast and, and it's our thing. And I just, I love it, mate. I, I love it. Just and double down on the Oh arrogance. my God, what's going on? I think I'm going to leave it there, guys. <laughs> well, everyone listening, uh, thank you for all the DMs about how lucky I am to be on a podcast <laughs> with this great host, Eddie Thrower. He's so good. Uh, <laughs> All right. Let's get the hell out of here before we yeah. self-incriminate anymore. Everyone have an amazing day. We hope you enjoyed episode 46 about tuning. And we are going to go deep in the next episode on practice pads, when to use them, what they're useful for, the difference between the bouncy pads and the dead pads, why Eddie and I play reflex. And I don't even know if either of us, I don't think either of us are endorsed, right? No, I actually, <laughs> Just, I actually bought mine. Yeah. It's okay. Jo- yeah. That's a joke. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know how sick I am, mate? <laughs> I know. I, I've, dude, I've been told six times in this mate, podcast. I really hope, like, if someone's listening to this episode for the first time, or like this podcast for the first time, I'm really not arrogant. I don't know, how, I don't know what has happened to me in this episode, but I'm not at all. And now it's frozen, so I don't know what Mike's reaction <laughs> is doing right now. The internet won't even the internet won't even allow you to get out of trouble. Oh my god. Right. Oh. I'm going, mate. Travis is screaming at the door anyway. Alright. <laughs> Episode 46 is in the can. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Alright, buddy. That was awesome.